0: Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental. Keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. And welcome to Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM, The Bay. I'm Jenny Cressman and I am enjoying doing this show, hosting here, um, talking to interesting people about interesting stuff they're doing. And today, my interesting guest is Mike Sladden, commonly known as Slads. Now, not all of you would have met him probably because he spends a lot of his time in Algonquin Park. He has a strong connection with Camp Pathfinder and I'll let Mike explain a little bit more about that. Welcome, Mike.
1: Thanks, Jenny. Great to be here. Well, yeah, I can explain that uh, I'm a park person, I guess, transplanted from upstate New York when I was a child. I came to Pathfinder to go to camp at the best of my parents in 1969. I was 11
0: okay. years old. And I my won't f- do the math.
1: My father, grandfather, uncles, great uncles had all gone to Pathfinder Everyone came from Rochester, New York, which was a big draw for the camp at, for many years. And I sort of fell in love with it in my own way, just like my uh, ancestors had. I went to camp for a number of years. I went uh, away and did other things mm-hmm. and came back uh, after a university and worked at the camp, because okay. I knew the owner at that time very well, having, having been a counselor of mine. Okay. And he was uh, getting the camp's wood canvas canoe fleet rebuilt rather than chucking it for modern materials canoes. Okay. And the guy he chose to have do it was Jack Hurley, the canoe maker from right. Dwight, who had been yes. my most influential counselor.
0: And was on my show recently, actually. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about wood canoes.
1: I can't believe you got him off the air once he came up. But <laughs> but uh, Jack was a big influence on me as a kid, and so it just made sense in my yeah. mind to come back and be on the staff uh, with those two guys, Mac Rand and Jack Hurley involved in the camp. And then I became a parent, a volunteer, an alumnus, fundraiser, and the next thing you know, a buddy of mine, Glenn Arthurs, who had the same growing up experience at Pathfinder, Mm -hmm. we joined forces and bought the camp in 1999.
0: In 99. Okay, but it had been in existence since 1914.
1: Camp was founded in 1914, that's right. As part of that sort of progressive era, woodcraft camping was an option that emerged mm-hmm. uh, and families took advantage of it. Often the camps were single gender, boy yeah. or a girl. And Northway Lodge was the first uh, camp in the park. That was a girls camp started mm-hmm. by Fanny Case in 1906. Okay. They moved to their site on Cache Lake in 1908. Mm-hmm. And Fanny Case was from Rochester, New York, where she was a teacher and inf- influential educator. Mm-hmm. And two men, uh, Frank Gray and Bill Bennett in Rochester, who were helping run the school system there, were very jealous Of the success (laughs) Fanny Case was having. (laughs) Yeah. And they wanted to start a boys' camp in Algonquin Park, and so they did.
0: So, Camp Pathfinder is the oldest boys' camp?
1: It is the oldest boys' camp in the park. That's right. Mm
0: Okay. And Northway is still in existence, and it's still a girls' only camp?
1: It's still a girls' only program. Now, Northway has a boys' guide experience program. I think Mm -hmm. a small number of kids go there as boys and learn about, you know, guide skills. Okay. Pathfinder has, you know, all. All boys in the summer. We're certainly co-ed for all that outdoor ed programming, spring and fall. And unlike those early days, Pathfinder today is very busy with outdoor education from just after ice out to just before things ice up again in the park.
0: Okay. And you have family camps sometimes, too, in those shoulder seasons?
1: Yeah, that's right. We do. Yeah. We have family camps during the summer sometimes because mm-hmm. Pathfinder is a tripping camp. And right. so when the trip trippers all leave, it creates a little space there. And sometimes we'll run family camp during the summer. Okay. So that families can introduce their boys to the idea of coming to camp in the future.
0: So explain a little bit about what a tripper camp means for, for people who may not be familiar with that term.
1: That's Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of different kinds of camping in Ontario. This this province is the penultimate place in the world to go to children's camp. Yeah. The very best camps in the world are here, and there are over 450 accredited camps, uh, wow. not to say all the other camps that, that are not yet or choose not to be accredited. And we can talk about what accreditation means. But uh, of that huge number of camps, Mm -hmm. there's a handful of tripping camps who really still in this day and age represent what camping was for the most part in the early 20th century.
0: Okay. So by tripping, it means they're actually going out on trips.
1: Yeah, They're they're not
0: based at the camp.
1: Yeah, the base camp experience is one thing. But Mm -hmm. then the whole point of being there is to get ready to an outfit for, and then head out on these adventurous wilderness canoe trips.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so, Pathfinder was the place for boys to do that. Northway, a great place for girls. And of course, soon after, other camps sprang up. Taylor Staten camps yeah. came along, uh, then Camp Tanamacoon, and then uh, Camp Aruwana, and eventually Camp Tamaqua. You know, they mm-hmm. all sort of joined in this experience of living simply in Algonquin Park, mm-hmm. but then also venturing out into the park. But but not
0: just in the park. I mean, some trips go to other places in Ontario or Quebec, right?
1: Yeah, certainly Pathfinder, for example, started going outside the park Mm -hmm. early on and went to Tamagami and went to uh, the rivers of the Ottawa Valley that drained from Quebec into the Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Places like the Des Moines River, Cologne, the Noir. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went to... Uh, the French and Spanish rivers, mm. you know for many years, and mm-hmm. Pathfinder eventually ventured onto rivers that drain into James and Hudson Bay on both sides of the border, the Quebec and Ontario sides. So you may came, come to Pathfinder at age seven or eight and start yeah. your tripping career in Algonquin by the time you 're fourteen you 're probably outside the park on longer okay. trips okay and fifteen and sixteen you 're going to saltwater somewhere
0: okay, wow, and how long are the trips typically?
1: You know, the little guys go on trips of overnight to three days. Okay. Uh, as you get a little bit more ambitious, you start going on trips of four to eight days, and then before you know it, you might be twelve-year-old uh, kid with a bunch of his buddies on a twelve or thirteen-day trip. And as the years progress, you're going up to seventeen days out there at wow. a time, all the way wow. up to thirty-eight to forty-two days. Holy! With Pathfinder, you know, other yeah. camps take longer to do the same distances in the okay. back, in the backcountry. Um, but, but Pathfinder's penultimate trip length is 42 days.
0: And they're taking all their own food, all their own supplies, or do they have a food drop somewhere along the line?
1: You know, the answer is both. You know, I think okay. it's for kids today, especially the idea that you're taking everything that you need for safety, comfort and travel mm-hmm. uh, and paddling it in your canoe or carrying it on your back on the portage. You know, that's a that's a real core concept. And you can probably, with big strong lads who are 15 years old, take 17 days worth of provisions wow. at a time. And then uh-huh. they'll get a, a float plane airdrop or they'll pull into okay. an indigenous community in the far north where food has been cached for them by by our, you know, senior your staff. Team, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so travel, uh, just stepping back a little bit, in the early days, it was also quite an adventure of, to travel here from Rochester, where a lot of your clients would have come from. Uh, Early Camp Pathfinder days were mostly kids from New York. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, because it started as a uh, Rochester camp, Mm -hmm. even though the founders were Canadian-American pals, Mm -hmm. uh, Frank Gray was a Canadian, um, the big draw was upstate New York. And then it branched out to Buffalo, New York, and then New York City, then Toronto, Ah. And for most of Pathfinder's history, it was probably about 70% Americans, 30% Canadians.
0: Okay. So to get here from New York, they would have been on a train Yeah, coming to Huntsville.
1: Absolutely. You talk about the adventure of tripping. Well, the, the adventure started at the train station. And don't forget, back in those earliest days of camp, mothers dressed their children for train travel as if it was a formal affair.
0: Oh, yeah. And so yeah. kids were in
1: their finest, you know... Uh, sport up. jackets yeah. and plus fours and, you know, they were wearing yeah. these swanky hats and
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh they got on to Pullman car uh, chartered coaches mm-hmm. in these various cities that sort of assembled in Toronto and then headed north. And then those cars were detached and put on the Grand Trunk Railway line at Scotia, just north of Huntsville, so they mm-hmm. could be um, pulled into the park from the west
0: okay. and land
1: at places like... Uh, Source Lake and Cache mm-hmm. Lake,
0: and yeah. so how long would the trip have typically taken?
1: It's an overnight trip from okay. from upstate New York at okay. the at the best, and so there were two versions that we used to hear as kids from our fathers and grandfathers. One was that they uh, spent the night on the train, including dining, you know, lunch, dinner, and then breakfast on the train, and the Pullman car was this radical. Uh, improvement in coach life where uh, the car could be converted from seating as a coach to a sleeper.
0: Okay. And that
1: was done while the boys in each coach car were sent to dinner in the dining car.
0: Ah. And
1: Pullman Car Porters, yeah. uh, who were African Americans, uh, who formed their first African American trade union, the Pullman oh, Car Porters really? okay. uh, union, uh, would were the specialists that knew how to make up these cars and how to maintain safety and they were helping the boys when away from parents to
0: so they would have had to shop themselves. Their own or something oh, yeah. though
1: They're so well some staff were there but okay. it's really true that the Pullman car porters enforced a, a of kind work. of uh, dignified behavior yeah sure
0: sure they made sure the kids stayed yeah, in but line but the, the
1: great stories of uh, older guys about the train travel was just all the excitement of the train
0: uh-huh
1: and and then the, the other kind of trip to Pathfinder in some years involved staying at the Royal York overnight
0: wow. because of train
1: schedules. And you can yeah. only imagine the shenanigans, right? Once oh. they were out from under the watchful <laughs> eye of Pullman Porters, they were out on Queen Street, God Uh-oh. knows doing what.
0: Going wild.
1: <laughs> but this is something that all the, all the guys, all the old timers talked about with great excitement. And then the biggest uh, next excitement was to get to Source Lake uh, and be paddled across from the, from the rail stop uh, to the island to start your summer.
0: Right, because it is on an island, only accessible by boat. There's no other way to get there. That's right. So uh, we are going to pause there and think about these young men traveling north by rail and boat and and then having their wonderful Pathfinder experience. You can also see photos of Camp Pathfinder historic photos on uh, www.camppathfinder.com. And we'll be right back after a commercial break and talk some more with Slads. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. Welcome back to Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM. I'm still Jenny Cressman and I'm still talking with Mike Sladden, Slads. And we've been talking about the history of Camp Pathfinder and how the young people who would come to the camp, initially mostly just boys and would come up from New York State and travel by train and then by boat to to get to the camp. And uh, we talked a little bit about the history, and I mentioned that there are photos available on the website, uh, historic photos, going way back to the good old days of Camp Pathfinder. And it also struck me that those photos would have probably been intriguing for Mike, who studied the history of photography at one point and worked at the George Eastman Museum in Rochester. How did that happen? How did that come about?
1: Well, I, you know, I met some friends at camp when I was a kid and one of them was a neighbor of mine in Rochester, and he convinced me to join him in making a darkroom in the
0: basement.
1: So we're teenagers, you know, making a darkroom, developing film in the old way. Yep. And the next thing you know, we're getting cameras and uh, trying to take pictures, whether it was sporting or on canoe trips. And then I just, I don't know, I got more interested in the work of all kinds of photographers rather than in my own Mm. and ended up studying history and art history and literature in university and then started a grad program in art history, history of photography, and then suddenly found myself uh, working for a, a museum of film and photography history. Okay. And all the time I was coming up here... Uh, taking canoe trips whenever I could.
0: Okay. And how many years did you work at the museum?
1: I was there 14 years and was a curator there. uh, It's responsible for exhibit design and public Uh programs and lectures and docentry and children's programs. So it was really a rich experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that would have blended well with what you were doing in the summers at Camp Pathfinder, um, working with kids. And and your eye was probably already casting about there for things to photograph, I imagine.
1: Yeah, and, and you and I know a couple Algonquin Park people. One of them is Sandy Gage, mm-hmm. uh, who was like me, a grad student in the same program back in the States yeah. in Art History, History of Photography. Uh-huh. And I caught sight one one time of Sandy Gage's book that mm-hmm. he produced as his master's thesis, uh, photographing the old lumber camps and ranger cabins of Algonquin Park as they were decaying away into the dust. Huh. And I was totally captivated, especially uh-huh. because as a kid t- doing canoe trips, I couldn't get enough of any sort of remnant we would come across of human activity in another time period inside the park. I still get a huge charge out of it.
0: Well, I, I found the photos on the website to be quite interesting, and also the little video of of the kids at camp. And I think it's worthwhile people checking out www.camppathfinder.com to see some of those items. And perhaps those who've grown up in Huntsville will recognize a gentleman that many people would have known, Bill Nichols, Grant Nichols' father, who went to camp at age 7 in the early 40s and went for a couple of years thereafter. And so there is... A local connection. It's not just New York State kids coming up here, but over the years, I think it's gradually grown into um, a lot more local involvement. You mentioned uh, Jack Hurley, and I know both his sons were Camp Pathfinder alumni, and the first time I ever set foot on Camp Pathfinder, Pathfinder Island was at a a special Celebration of Life ceremony for Wendy Swift, and Jack Hurley had made a memorial canoe for her. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that all started?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, Pathfinder was really an upstate New York and a little bit of New York City kind of thing for many Mm -hmm. years, founded by and run for American kids. But over the years, and certainly today, people come to Pathfinder about 50% Canadian now, Mm. about 45% American and 5% Europe, Asia, South America. Oh, wow. So kids from all over the place are coming to Pathfinder. They generally come for a long time. They don't just come for a season. They make a career out of it. Yeah. And then the staff are really selected from those kids as they grow up. And we call that, you know, a homegrown staff. Yeah,
0: you're growing your own staff. That's
1: right. And so, you know, people like Sandy Gage and Jack Hurley and uh, Jeff Miller and Mm -hmm. Bill Swift and Mm -hmm. all these characters that are well-known in the Huntsville and Park region. Uh, we're Pathfinder guys and certainly yeah. Jack's kids, uh, Alex and Brent who went to Huntsville High and you know, were a big part of the local scene here as they were growing up have gone on to be educators and have had a huge influence again as adult educators at places like Pathfinder. So that's a cool experience uh, for me to have mm-hmm. witnessed and been a camper and staff, but then also to preside over the camp at a time when it really became equally a Canadian thing as well as an American thing.
0: And So the camp has grown and evolved over the years, but one thing has remained the same, a lack of technology. So I, I was interested to note that it is a technology-free zone.
1: Yeah, so, that's very true. I mean, you know, back in the day, it was ice, you know, was cut from the lake to yeah. keep food fresh at the uh-huh. camp. And all the cooking was done on wood stoves, three meals a day. Uh-huh. And the only communication with the outside world was by telegraph. Mm-hmm. Uh, sponsored by the railroad. Uh-huh. Um, and there were just men running this uh, complex tripping operation with pencils and clipboards. Wow. And today, of course, there is, you know, there's an there's an email address and moms can be in touch with the director to find out okay. how their son is doing. And there's a modern uh, kitchen mm-hmm. uh, producing, you know, food that's up to, to snuff. Uh, but in general, Pathfinder hasn't changed from the time of my father and grandfather. There's and no. This, so
0: the kids are not glued to their cell phones like they are so many other places. N- no
1: phones. <laughs> and there's no hydro in any of the uh, buildings. You know, there's um, there's there's no gaming. Uh, you know, the, all the interactions, all the social media is face to face, voice to voice. And of course, out on the trail, it's even richer because you're really stripped down to the bare essentials.
0: Sure. But you said no gaming, but you do play a lot of games. I believe that there are, you know, certain things about Camp Pathfinder that might need a little explanation. So there's a game that the whole camp plays called Message to Garcia. So can you tell me about that and who the heck is Garcia?
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Yeah. The Message to Garcia, it's a relay race between teams. And the relay events are everything, like having to eat too many crackers and still whistle <laughs> a song, all the way to pitching a tent just right,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, or splitting firewood, or egg throwing, or solving math problems, or doing history puzzles. Um, a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, The Message to Garcia references uh, this, uh, the Spanish-American War when a uh-huh. Mexican general needed okay. a key piece of tactical information and a great relay of runners. Uh, tried to get it to him. And so it's a bit bit of a spoof on that historical event. But Masterche Garcia, it's been around for decades.
0: And and is Camp Pathfinder the only one that plays it? Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's a
1: Pathfinder thing.
0: Okay. Well, there's a lot of things that are just Camp Pathfinder, I think. Uh, Looking at the website again, uh, there was a whole list of Pathfinder language. Um, it, some of it makes sense, like sleepage. Okay, so that relates to tents and lodging, sleeping assignments on the island. Okay, that that's that's fine. Um, horse stable, you you mentioned the, the horses being used in the past for cutting ice. So horse stable now, I mean, you're not using horses. You're not riding around the island on horses.
1: No, the trail bikes are sitting in the horse stable. Okay. And The horse stable was used only in the winter because yep. horses were brought... Uh, to drag uh, stove wood logs across the lake on the ice and then to help cut ice and drag okay. it. And they used two horses, one, To do the work and the other one to pull the horse out if he went through the ice. So, (laughs) yeah, the stable is still very much a thing, just like uh, all the lingo at camp.
0: Yeah, well, another lingo that has like doesn't really make sense to me. Wallop. What? What? You're washing dishes. Like, where does wallop come in?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So ever since I can remember, and my grandfather said the same. You walloped your dishes and pots on a canoe trip. You didn't wash them. You walloped them.
0: Walloped them. And
1: uh, that carries on into everything at camp, whether it's using a Hobart dishwashing machine or if the dishwasher is a guy from North Bay, you know, either way, everyone's walloping all the dishes.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's not one I heard. I grew up in Pennsylvania. We didn't wallop things there. We washed them. We washed out our dishes. (laughs) So um, another one that has no uh, relevance that I can see is Bunderflap. Like what?
1: Well, the (laughs) Bunderflap is a, a special place on the island and you have to find it for yourself. No one can tell you where it is. Is and, it
0: different for everyone?
1: Uh, well, I think everyone has a different experience of finding uh, the Bunderflap. And okay. um, when uh, the Camping Association contacted us recently to ask if we would share this program called Bunderflap, we had to demur and say that it's really unique to Pathfinder.
0: Okay, okay. A unique place that stays with people. Anyone I've met who has attended Camp Pathfinder uh, just speaks in rapturous terms about their experience there. It is an amazing place by all the all reports.
1: You know when you get uh, people together, whether it's just boys and and uh, male counselors or whether you get uh, co-ed groups together, family camp groups together, alumni reunions uh, where men who attended the camp bring uh, partners and spouses, there's just something about sharing a simplistic island life. Uh, with the added adventure of going out on these trips and of course now you know in the past 20 years Pathfinder trips go to Hudson Bay Um, you know kids visit uh, places by canoe where Inuit people still hunt narwhal Hmm.
0: Um,
1: Hmm. and that's a you know crazy experience but it's the shared experience of tripping across the generations that is giving people the kind of vibe about Pathfinder that they're telling you about
0: okay well that's amazing and it's been so much fun chatting with you and learning more about camp pathfinders intriguing history when this is available in podcast as it will be after it airs on some Sunday in the near future then I will post the link on Facebook and we can link it to the camp website and uh, you're welcome to share it willy-nilly with anyone you wish Mike and thank you again for coming in and chatting with me Jenny Cressman on Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM The Bay
1: Thank you. You've been listening to Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM The Bay or www.muskokaunlimited.com. Stay tuned for more wonderful episodes on our show.